Ladies and gentlemen, he's the samurai of student ministry, the networking ninja, a Jedi master of church budgets, the beast from the southeast, the next-gen nerd himself, CJ! What's up, my nerds? Welcome back to the show where we talk nerdy and we talk ministry. We are in week four of our series on music and the movies. Back with my buddy Lance Hardy. He's going to be sharing with us uh, his number two favorite composer on this list. Before we jump in, always a reminder to leave us a great rating and a great review so others can find the show. You can join the conversation at facebook.com slash nextgennerd. And you can also contribute to the show at patreon.com slash nextgennerd. encourage you to do those things. So we've uh, gone over three composers so far. Far uh, we talked about. Um, I'm gonna think. What was the first? The first theme. Silvestri. Silvestri. But I was trying to think the, the theme that we were covering there. Oh, uh, innovation yeah. versus. We talked about innovation versus comfort. Right. Uh, we talked about mood versus theme. Uh, Self plagiarism versus plagiarism. Yeah. Uh, and so, who is our? Uh, well, first, welcome back, Lance. Thank you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> Uh, but also, uh, who is our composer this week, and what is our theme, and what are some movies that may be known for? Uh, it's Jerry Goldsmith this, this uh, week. It's another, uh, last week we were talking about composers who have uh, unfortunately passed on. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith was previous generation to most of these other composers, except for next week's. Um, who started? He started in 53, 1953, and uh, didn't pass away until uh, 2004, but... Um, He's known for um, some of the classics, like uh, some of the ones from the 60s and 70s, uh, like Planet of the Apes, Logan's Run, Alien, uh, the original Star Trek, the motion picture, um, some 80s movies like uh, Inner Space. That was a great uh, yep. science fiction yep. classic there. Um, we did Gremlins. We did Poltergeist. Um, it had a great theme for First Blood, the first Rambo movie. Okay. Um, he did uh, Chinatown, Patton, you know, like some of these real, real classics. He has one Oscar win, which is for The Omen. Um, which uh, we were talking on a previous week about uh, your <laughs> particular love yes, for the movie. Uh, <laughs> L- listen, I have a I have a poster and it's like 100 movies you have to watch before you die or whatever. And The Shining was on there. Yes, and I got like 30 minutes in and I'm going, why am I watching this movie? I'm not enjoying this at all. <laughs> and uh, and I had it was a it was a digital bootleg, so I couldn't even like mute it, turn subtitles on it, and have subtitles. I'm like I I don't want to watch this. I have no desire. I have no desire. I'm not scratching it off that list. Right. Yeah, I'm a weenie. I am a weenie. So, yes, uh, not seen The Omen either. I have seen Poltergeist. Uh, and Poltergeist, the funny thing with that is uh, I watched it actually in Spain. Uh, my dad was stationed in Spain for a couple of years, and he only had two channels in English. One was CNN uh, and one was Cartoon Network. But at 9 o'clock, it became Turner Classic Movies. Uh-huh. And so we're watching cartoons. It flips over. We start watching this, and uh, the little girl in there looks just like my little sister did at that time. Uh, and so we're watching this movie about these ghosts stealing this girl that looks like my sister and I'm just like why are we watching this movie this is terrible but I had to finish it to know that it turned out okay right um which uh fascinating story behind the poltergeist movies and um oh my goodness I'm blanking on his name coach the guy that was the dad in that one Craig to Nelson yes and so uh where he uh that was his the beginning of his journey to sobriety was that movie like he was like high on cocaine for the vast majority of that movie um and then when he uh came back for the second one he had gotten sober, and they're like, "Why can't you dial it up?" And he's like, "That was me high. Like I can't." I, but anyways, but uh, but yes, Poltergeist. It does have a nice, fun ending where they shove the TV out in the parking lot. And it's <laughs> yes, like, yes, that's, that that's was good great. stuff. That was great. Um, 
Yeah, he's, he's done quite a few of the old ones. He also had a couple of uh, non-movie ones I just want to mention. I'll, we'll have clips for these later. But uh, one is the Walton's theme song, which I'm okay. going to hear, particularly because my wife is a huge Walton's fan. I got you. And uh, we'll actually notice some similarities between that and some of the other stuff he's done. And the last one, and uh, I feel like i got to have like a Disney connection for all these, a Disney World yes. connection, is that he did the music for Soren. Okay. So uh, if you've uh, been to – he originally did the one for – Soaring Over California, the very first one. And apparently, the, the story is that um, they wanted him to do it, and he wasn't going to do it. He didn't really have any interest at all. And they got him on the ride, and he was basically begging to do it by the time he got <laughs> off the ride. He That's said, cool. I have to do this. All right, nice. And then the, it was really funny. The credits are like, oh, he did this one, but then uh, I think Bruce Broughton or somebody did the – um, used his music, but then did, changed it a little bit for the one that's in Orlando. Okay. And then I listened to the one in California. I'm like, I, that – not, I don't know any difference. I, I mean, <laughs> maybe I'd have to like listen to them simultaneously to know what the difference is, but I can't pick up a difference. It's, anyway. it's again, back to the whole Vanilla Ice versus Queen. <laughs> yes. yes, it was. He added the ch at the end. That <laughs> was what it was. That's got to be it, right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah. He, um, amazing um, uh, catalog of, uh, of scores in his repertoire. And the discussion point is overall impact of a music on a film. And uh, this is something we've kind of talked about as, as we've gone along. But, and the question of, you know, does the movie have more of an impact on the film or does the mm. film have more of an impact on your perception of the music? And I think we both agreed that it was the, the music is the one that has the real impact. Right. The higher impact on the film. And um, I think that, uh, you know, for, for a lot of these, it's there. It's not even just like those moments like uh, you, you had a great example with the, the scene at the end of A New Hope, Star Wars A New right, Hope. Right, right. Um, where they're getting their medals and everything. And, and uh, this, when you watch it without the music, it's just weird. Um, but there, there are so many of these. Seriously, that, look that video yeah. up and watch it. Like you go, when is this over? And, and, and you don't realize how long that scene is until there's yeah. no music and you're just left there going, okay, all right. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Uh, it's, I think that in some cases you can even see it in ones where they choose not to use music. Mm. Um, what I'm thinking of right now is um, uh, No Country for Old Men. Okay, yep. Where they have almost no music. Right. And um, they may have some, but I don't remember it. Um, it was just, it, and they chose to have the silence. And it, it by virtue of the fact that movie, music has so much impact on a movie, its absence is equally felt so strong. Mm. And um, particularly some of these movies, the entire movie would have just been weird. I mean, they're kind of weird anyway. Like Planet of the Apes. I mean, it's a great, you know, yes. great example of that. Yes. And we're talking the Charlton Heston one here. Yes. Just in case there's any He was question. in. He was also in the one with Mark Wahlberg. He was also in that <laughs> okay. one. Right, he he had a cameo in there. So which one are you talking yeah. about? Yes. <laughs> I wonder. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with without the music, or even if you're just talking about the little, the little bongos or little percussion moments, Right. You know, without these things that kind of like, okay, well, it's supposed to be a fun romp or it's supposed to be silly sci-fi. It's supposed to be, you know, giving you that um, that direction of the way to feel, the way to um, perceive what you're watching. Mm. Then what you're watching just, not only does it seem kind of crazy because it is crazy, it just seems weird. Yeah. Like, uh, you would never recommend it to anybody. Right. So it, uh, from from my take, these, these movies not just have that, but some of the things we've talked about are already, um, like uh, the emotion um, that it provides the uh, the ability to uh, to direct you into how to feel in for a moment, but also to amplify what you already feel. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably one of, one of the biggest things that I, I could say about um, any of these composers is that in, in a really good movie, in a quality movie, you already have good writing, right, you have the, right. 
you know, the, the crescendo to the moment, the peak, the climax of the story. You, you already followed that as if you were reading a book. Right. Right. So you, you can have that without the music. But then when you have the music on top of that, you have moments where you can le- legitimately a tear comes to your eye. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, I think about it. And I'm thinking, I, I don't know um, that there's ever been a moment where I, I would have got le- like emotionally invested like that to the point where I'm actually like about to have a tear just based on what I've seen. Right. And it wouldn't. I mean, like, uh, interesting. It's funny. The first two things I'm thinking of that I've actually cried at before are both animated. Okay. Uh, one, one was the beginning of Up. Okay. Yep. Yep. I always remember that because totally it's the fastest, understand that one. Right. Because usually it takes a while to get invested into a character yes. or a yes. couple characters, but that one was just like, wow. Oh my gosh. You get, like, you get a tear for that. And again, that's the the music really you know, helped out with that. Um, the other one I'm thinking of is uh, Avatar. Okay. Um, the uh, Last Airbender Avatar. Okay. Um, with, uh, if you follow the, the original three seasons, you have uh, um, Zuko's story arc where he <clears throat> is trying to find himself and thinks he's found himself, but it turns out it's not what he wanted. And he um, um, uh, like betrayed his uncle who loved him. Mm. And then the moment where he's reunited with his uncle and you find out that his uncle just had unconditional love for him the mm. whole time. And it is just, I almost getting teary just thinking about it. <laughs> and, uh, but you have like you know, the, the music in that moment. Um, and, and like I said, the, the moment by itself was beautiful. Right. You know, it's like three seasons in, in the making, and you have this moment. Um, so, you know, beautiful writing, but, uh, you know, have that music building up and complementing mm-hmm. the, a well-written script is uh, truly priceless. Mm. Uh, one that comes to mind, also animated, uh, actually watched yesterday, uh, is Onward. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that yes, one or I not. Have. Uh, yeah. I still cry every time I watch this stupid movie. Um, but at the end, when he's looking at uh, the list, the things we do with his dad, and there's a little bit of sound in there with with he's going over the memories he has with Barley doing those things, uh, and it's again it's the music that's that's pushing behind there. Which uh, my kids made me feel great. They didn't even realize they did it. Uh, but uh, at the very end, um, their dad tells Barley, you know, give give Ian a hug. Yeah. And uh, Zeke goes, why just a hug? Is he mad at him? Like, why didn't he give him a kiss too? Because my kids know that daddy's affectionate. And I'm going to give him a kiss. And they're like, what did he, what did he do wrong? Like, why did, why did he do that? But, uh, but yes, uh, I, I was thinking about that. I'm thinking about other movies where, where there's no dialogue. And again, there's a few instances where that loneliness could work, which, which Alien is on his, is on his list. Yes. And that being alone. And so an absence of music may work in that situation. But so often, other times... It, 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 you don't want them to feel alone. You, right. that's, that's not the, the emotion necessarily that they're feeling, and that is kind of where it's at. Um, and I was thinking, too, of uh, uh, you mentioned crying in movies, and so the first one that came to mind for me was It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. Uh, and, um, and I was thinking about all those movies where there's not really much of a score. You know, they have highlights to transition the scenes. Yes. But the, the counter to that is is the over-the-top emotion that they're having to act with kind of helps to, to fill in that gap. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, music allows the actors to have a more understated or even normal, uh, you know, portrayal of emotion yeah. uh, that is lacking in those older movies because we don't have anything. So you have to be over the top and very animated with your actions. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm picturing like every time Bing Crosby kissed somebody where he's like, hold it's just, it's just so funny to us now because, because we've been spoiled to see, this is what you can do with music to convey emotion that you don't have to be so over the top yeah. uh, to do it like we did in uh, in old black and white movies. And of course, a lot of those actors, of course, coming from stage a lot mm-hmm. more than uh, you know perhaps some of the modern actors that may have grown up on television or whatever. 
Um, so the overacting nature there. Which again, you yeah. don't have a whole lot of music playing underneath, unless it's a musical, and even still, it's 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 much more uh, themed than mood. And in all those songs, uh, it's there's a lot of silence. One thing I, I think that, and Jerry Goldsmith was actually a big part of this, was the divorcing what is the kind of music you see in a film from what is actually popular at the time, mm. like in regular music. And I'm not saying necessarily like, you know, if a movie from the 70s would be disco score. Right. You know, that's not what I'm saying. It's more like, it's more a product of its time. So that there are some movies that happen, and this is kind of later in his career. Some of his stuff was very tied mm. to the moment. Like, for example, we'll talk we'll listen to it a little bit, but his score for uh, Planet of the Apes. Mm. Very much, this is a 60s right, right, score. Right, right, right. And you can hear everything about it. Just sounds it had that kind of experimental kind of that, yeah. The the, the thing that all the all 60s all those movies that uh, are considered classics in their own right, but are very dated, mm-hmm. um, have very similar type scores. Um, and of course, back into the days of you know when, when swing was big, um, back in the Roaring Twenties, when the early days of film, you know, when music was pretty much all there was. Right. You know, there there was like this is the way you're supposed to do it because this is what music is like mm. now, right? And then it was really people like Jerry Goldsmith who, who were like, no, there, there's, there is music beyond that. There is like, like uh, that transcends decades that is just um, eternal. And, I mean, obviously that's the case because there's uh, all these you know, classical and Baroque and, and music from the centuries mm. that uh, has withstood. I mean, obviously it was you know, music um, students can say, well, this is obviously from this era, but right. it transcends that era because it has just a classic, it has just, um, it speaks to us in our soul, it mm. has something that is beyond just the moment. And I think that he really um, grasped that, and one of, the, one of the first composers to really, really bring that into the science fiction realm. Um, you go ahead and let's just... Yeah, let's, let's, let's right. dive in, let's dive in. All right, so we have... Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Star Trek. A couple, couple, or three clips from Star Trek, and this is the, the motion picture. So the thing to remember about this, this is probably the one I have most to say about, obviously, because of Star Trek. But sorry, I just made a, a very funny connection. So you've got V'ger, yes, and then you have the Mark Wahlberg uh, uh, Kalima, where uh, where again the letters are just obscured just enough yes. for Planet of the Apes, where let's let's wipe them clear. And oh, uh-huh. this is, so there we go. All right. Uh, Anyways, I don't, he didn't do the soundtrack, I'm sure, for the Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Pretty sure he didn't. I uh, looked that up, but, I, but it was just funny. They, they, I just realized we got V'ger and uh, and Kalima. So, <laughs> well, uh, okay. So, probably everybody listening to this is pretty familiar with Star Trek. But you got to remember, of course, that the last time, aside from the very short-lived animated um, Star Trek show, right. Um, the last time people would have seen Star Trek would have been, uh, I guess, the three and a half seasons uh, from 66, 69. Mm-hmm. And it was just gone. You know, they, they cut it short and it had disappeared. And, oh, well, you know, it was pretty cool. But then you have that the, the trickies and the, the kind of the yep. rolling momentum. Of, yep. Man, that was an awesome show. And despite some of the kitschiness or all the kitschiness, <laughs> um, there was a lot that it did. There was like nothing anybody had ever seen. Right. And so there was there was something that to just. And this is a great example of fans keeping something going beyond what it normally would have mm. done. So um, when they finally get around to making uh, the film uh, for the '79 release, um, you have way better special effects. Um, and again, it's '79, so they're not like you know modern special effects, but it was pretty dang good. You know, this is after um, Star Wars. And you could probably credit Star Wars with having given them giving Star Trek a shot. Mm. 
with this. I mean, the fact that Star Wars was so successful and everybody wanted their own Star Wars, all these production companies, and Paramount was among them, to give Star Trek a chance and, uh, and have all these moments of, of, uh, of visual effects. Mm. So what you had was this 45, 50 minute, whatever, 42, whatever it is, minutes episode. And the, in the, the plot often stretched that. I mean, it was maybe like a really half an hour plot. Right, they right. stretched into a, a long episode. So what you have essentially with the motion picture is the exact same thing. You have what's probably about a half an hour plot, maybe 40 minute plot in about a three hour movie. <laughs> and uh, if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so for for the is it really three hours long? It was a long movie. I know it felt like three. I'm looking it up. I know it felt like three hours. Okay, so there, there is the old director's cut, whatever. So I might be talking about the, the extended version. All right, I'm looking it up. Look, looking I up. would love to know what the actual length is. Thank you. So um, from a from a movie watching standpoint, um, obviously that was a definite negative. It was, a, it was a two hours and twenty three minutes. Okay, two twenty three. Okay, so I'm gonna round up just because how it felt. Listen, I, I yeah. get it. I get it. It's kind of like wind chill. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Feels like three hours. Yes. So, um, and, and again, there was, there was a lot to like about it, but it definitely didn't need to be two hours, 20 minutes. Um, but what one big advantage, the reason I'm mentioning all this is to say that it gave Jerry Goldsmith a chance to shine. <laughs> and I really mean that. I mean, he, he had several parts in the movie that uh, were fantastic. I mean, just the part alone where they, they exit the station and go to dry dock where uh, the Enterprise is just, we want to check out the new look of the Enterprise. Right. And it lasted, what, 10 minutes? Yeah. I'm probably exaggerating yeah. again here, but... It, Maybe not, though. Maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> so, but, you know, and it was cool, because people, and they're like, oh, we, people want to see this. They, they, we don't want to cut them short. And movies from the 70s and the 60s, 76s, were much more willing to do that. Right. Like, let us let a scene play out. I think about, like, the one of the best scenes ever in The Godfather, where he's just waiting for... The moment to, to pop out of the table and shoot the guys. Right. I'm talking about Michael Corleone right. the moment there. And that, that, that scene lasted, I don't know how long it really lasted, but it seemed like it he feels like waited, forever, right? Yeah. But it built the tension. They were right. willing to do that right. back in those days much more than they're willing to do it now. And as much as we were teasing Star Trek, we could use a little bit of that patience. Yes. Uh, I, I'm thinking of the guidelines I'm given for church videos. And it's like if it's longer than two minutes, two and a half minutes, <laughs> It's not good. And I'm like, seriously? And so, like, you know, I'm having to tell people, like, all right, I know that the Lord saved you in a miraculous way, but can you cut it back a little bit more? Can we can we skim it down? I know, really. I know your wife yeah. was dying on one floor of the hospital. Your son was dying on another. But can we cut that part out? Because the people at church, they're wanting to get the sunnies a little quicker. Uh, so, uh, two and a half. so, yes, two and a half minutes. That's what we that's what we got to work with. That's what we got to work with. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, lack of patience. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, one thing I, I really appreciated about what he was able to do was um, he did something we talked about, we brought up a few times, was the idea of mood music versus theme. Right. So the first clip we're going to hear is the, um, the theme uh, from the actual, like, the, the opening. And by the way, this is when they still had overtures. Mm -hmm. If you're a fan of the older movies from right. the 70s and before. Yes. Yeah, like the, the intermission. It's really fun the watching overture. these movies with your kids, and they're like, "What is happening? What is what <laughs> is going on?" It's, it's like it's just a still screen. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. It's like I I don't have time to explain it. I'll I'll, I'll fast forward. I'll fast it's forward. Screensavers back in the seventies. Why are all the credits at the beginning of them? I know, <laughs> I know. The movie it says it started, but it's another thirty five minutes before it starts. 
Yeah. Oh man. So uh, yeah. So they had maybe I'm thinking that's why I thought it was so long. Maybe that's it. That's yeah, it. The, the, you cut the, the orchestral intermission and all that stuff. My uh, my wife's uh, brother, stepbrother, uh, when he went to kindergarten for the first day, he's like, I don't know why we're there for five hours. Cut all this playtime and chit chat out. We could be done in an hour and a half. Like that's <laughs> that's how it feels like with some of these movies. Like if we would have cut those <clears throat> credits out, that overture, it'd have been ninety minutes flat. Like it'd have been it'd have been over. So yeah. maybe, that, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Uh, so anyway, this first clip is um, from from that overture, and you'll recognize it because it is uh, something else you may have heard. Of course, for Star Trek fans, when you heard that, you probably recognized it as being the Star Trek The Next Generation theme that they borrowed from the first uh, the motion picture here for the... Um, for Which the is TV. my Star Trek. There you go. That's my Star Trek. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't watch the original series, uh, I think, until... I mean, when I was sick at home. You know, you'd watch that, and then you'd watch Lost in Space. Like, that was what was on on, on, uh, on TBS at, at 9.45 on a, on a Tuesday. But, uh, but yeah, nice. next, next generation. Uh, the second clip is going to be a bit of a V'ger. Okay, so and this is this is that mood where they like he's playing around. I think if I remember right, the story is that he did one of those like like a wire that holds uh, like a guy wire for holding up a pole, mm. and if you clang it with something metal and it has that kind yeah, of yeah, sound, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can kind of hear that a little bit, just like experimenting with 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 things. And again, this one of the reasons I have him so high on the list is like the number two spot is because like this is like the seventies. This isn't right. modern. We're experimental. This is. You know, one of the original experimenters with uh, different kind of sounds, um, effects, and whatnot as he's creating. I mean, he effectively creates a truly out-of-this-world sound mm. while still maintaining enough of the of what we consider to be regular music. Mm. Or, um, you know, whether it's the spot where they're first flying into V'ger or the spot where Spock is, you know, flying along trying to penetrate deep into it and, and mind-melding V'ger, which was just amazing <laughs> is the only word I can use for that um, but uh, it, you know those, those moments where you got you've been given all this this money that went into the special effects and we got to have some cool music and really right. make it really really sell this right right, right. And, uh, and that's what this this clip does And uh, the last one is, again, a theme. It's uh, the romantic theme um, where you had, uh, I think it was Decker and Ilea, if I remember right, their names. Um, uh, the first, o- or cla- captain, actually, originally, and then <laughs> demoted, essentially, to first officer by Kirk. And, uh, and then Ilea. Um, and her theme, she's taken by Vager and then re- rebuilt. Um, <laughs> I could probably tell you this, but it's gonna, it's gonna, if I said it accurately, it would sound even worse than if I tried <laughs> to summarize it. But uh, she's recreated by Viger and sent back, and uh, but keeps a part of her feelings for mm. um, for Decker. Um, anyway, this beautiful romantic um, theme that goes along very nicely with the rest of the movie.
Um, so that's that's a that's for my clips from uh, Star Trek uh, motion picture. Uh, we should also mention, of course, Alien. The, we talked about this a little last week in the context of the fact that uh, James Horner had done the sequel for mm-hmm. both Star Trek and for Alien, and that he paid homage to uh, um, Jerry Goldsmith's score in his uh, a first bit of music at the very beginning of Aliens. So here, once again, in space, nobody can hear you scream, and you have a lot of that kind of like empty music. I don't mm. know how else to say that. It's, it, it portrays a sense of emptiness, mm. and but there, obviously the the sense of of unknown. Something could be very scary, but you don't really know. I mean, if, and again, if you're familiar with the series, there's one alien mm-hmm. in the movie Alien. Um, it's, uh, and you have no idea at that point. you got to remember that we're all so familiar with the idea right. of the life cycle of a xenomorph and the pot, chest exploding and all that stuff. And, but at the time, nobody had any idea. Right. And it, was, it was more about the unknown. Mm. And even when, even when the alien jumps out of his chest and then scuttles off and then grows up, the, most of the movie after that point is just this, like, where is he? Mm-hmm. It's a horror movie. Right, right. It's a horror movie in space. It's, it's, I mean, it's sci-fi, but it's a horror movie. Yes. As opposed to Aliens, which is more of an action movie. Right. There, there's a list of uh, sequels that didn't understand what the first movie was about, but still weren't. And, like, Aliens yeah. was there. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think, honestly, if you had not changed it up, it just would have been a rehashing. Yes, yes. I think you kind of needed to change it up. Yes. So I think that works. Uh, yeah, and then they uh, they did Alien Three, and uh, what the heck happened there? Not, yeah, <laughs> no idea. Yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just say I was just one and two. That works. That works. So here's a little clip from uh, Alien. Staying on the theme of uh, science fiction, I'll go ahead and throw in this clip from Planet of the Apes. This is one I said that was obviously very dated. I don't think I'll have to explain a whole lot more than that, <laughs> except to say that uh, it's definitely worth throwing in here because, again, a good example of mood. There's almost no real, like what people consider to be a music or any, certainly nothing thematic in this. Toward the beginning of the movie, when they were um, when uh, Charlton Heston was running through the desert, and and, and in the sixties. Uh, listen, uh, and again, another another movie, another movie series where you get the first one and the second, you're like, oh, okay. Third one, you go, what the heck is happening? What is happening? What is this? I remember there was a, I, w- I watched like all those in like a span of like a week and a half. I'd only seen like parts of the first one, yeah. and I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, I can totally see the the, the merits. Okay, and the second one. I'm trying to remember when they introduced. I think it was maybe it was in the end of the second where they introduced the weird brain creatures that were smarter than oh my gosh, than yeah. the apes. And then the third one is that the one where they go back in time. And then the fourth one, like it was like, what is, what is happening? What is it? so? Yeah, uh, sorry, Planet so of the they, Apes. They all run together. But I mean, yeah, again, we tease, but there was some great uh, um, innovation of that time. Yes, the, the Planet of the Apes did it, and that's that's great social commentary. We talked in the Stargate episode about 
the idea of being able to have social commentary mm-hmm. without it being like, oh, we're going to talk about black people and white people. Right, right. Without, well, actually, talking about yes. that. We're going to talk about apes and humans. Because yes. people can actually listen to that conversation. Yes. They can comprehend that. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. the peanut butter that you wrap the pill in for your dog. You know, yeah. like here we go. This 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 is uh, this is the setting in which we'll discuss very deep yes. topics, uh, and you'll go, oh, that was fun. Uh, I was not being critical in there. I was just eating like candy. So exactly. But uh, anyway, it's it was you know for its time it was great. Um, looking at some of his uh, non sci fi ones, uh, one of the ones that people probably recognize would be the First Blood theme, mm-hmm. um, Rambo's theme mm-hmm. um, from the movie First Blood. It's another one where I think people are, are used to the idea of all these sequels that, that spawn the higher a, body count. Which was another one of the movies where like yeah. it was it was like the first like when the sequel had no idea what the first movie yeah. was actually about. You <laughs> right. know that was uh, that was another one. So yeah. So here, here's my, my trivia question. I think I don't know if I've had to ask before. Do you know how many people? How many, what the body count was for the first movie, First Blood? I don't. One. One. One person. Okay. Now, there, who knows how many people died when he went nuts on the city. I'm pretty sure they had evacuated the city. There you go. There but you at, go. The, at the end of the movie. But there's only one person that dies, and it was an accident. Hmm. And so it was really, um, he was showing restraint uh, with a lot of it, and it was all about him, you know, the, the way people were treating the Vietnam vets, and, of course, all that stuff. It's a lot more poignant. I mean, so you'll notice that in the theme that we're going to uh, play here is that it's, it's really just sad. Hmm. It's. I mean, you have the adventure, it's Rambo, right? But right. you know, mostly the the ram- part of Rambo's theme here is just the sadness of, you know, walking in an America that he fought for, but that doesn't love him anymore, mm. and uh, that's that's what you get with this theme. So um, I, I do want to throw in real quickly these other ones I've mentioned earlier. So here's here's a one from uh, Soren. This is technically Soren over California, which sounds remarkably like <laughs> Soren that is currently playing in Epcot. I mean, it's it, there's something, and again, if you've ridden the ride, you know that you're lifted up into the, uh, in, like basically face to face with the screen, mm. and that opening part, and these, all the clouds come over you, and it's just beautiful scenery, and the music. I mean, it, the music is probably 95 percent of this one. It's, it's really, <laughs> really gorgeous music um, for that, and um, also the uh, the Waltons um, TV show. Once again, it's for my my wife who loves the Waltons. And, Gotta uh, keep her happy. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I would point out though is that a lot of the a lot of the music of the era, um, and uh, like the '70s and whatnot, actually had the same kind of little. I don't know, like a, I would call it like a ditty. I don't know how else, what else to call it. It's you know like the little guitar, got the little drums. So with the, the Waltons, you use the word ditty. I was on a point. I, just, I, just, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes yes. sense. That would be a, a good word to use. Uh, but yeah, that'd, that'd be good. But it's uh, interesting enough, and you can probably hear this in some of the other stuff that we've listened to, is you can still hear 
some of the kind of uh, signature, like mm. what we talked about with the um, plagiarism thing. This, right. this, isn't, this doesn't sound like necessarily anything else he's done, but you can still hear some of his signature. Mm. Um, like, oh, that still sounds a little bit like Jerry Goldsmith. And uh, in particular, the, uh, the Rambo theme. If you listen to a little bit of the Rambo theme, having the back-to-back like this, hopefully you guys will understand what I'm talking about. Uh, finally, and this is just for CJ. Here's the omen, and uh, <laughs> it, I'm doing this basically because he won an Oscar for it. I gotta throw this in here. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It not makes sci-fi, sense. but he. I mean, it's, it's creepy. It's so creepy, and it fit the movie perfectly. And uh, once again, uh, the omen would not be nearly, nearly scary. Probably not as scary it's, at all. I think it's the perfect storm. I think I can listen to it and I'm okay, or I can watch it with no music and I'm okay. But it's when it's when they're together is that over, it's uh, it's the um, it's the chemicals from Die Hard with a Vengeance, where like when Tube One and Tube Two they're inert. <laughs> it's when they're together that's when it's dangerous for me. So I think I'll be okay. I think that may be the best analogy ever. <laughs> full of them, man. Yeah. Full of. All right, let's let's hear it. Just a little uh, small bit, and again, I um, a lot of his stuff is, is from a, a bygone era, but he really transitioned from that time. Like I was talking about earlier, of uh, the time when, okay, this is the fifties. Here's some fifties music. You know, here's the sixties, the sixties music. Right. And I, I really probably place that if I had to pick one movie, it would be Star Trek mm. the motion picture, where it's just so grand, mm. and then parts of it were so experimental, and then the love theme was so timeless. That it just, it truly, this is not a 70s soundtrack. Mm. This is just a beautiful science fiction encapsulating emotion, mood, theme, all in one package. And it was just a really, really great bit of art from uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Mm. Fantastic. Fantastic. I hope you guys are continuing to enjoy this. Thank you, Lance, again for sharing this. Uh, I remember when uh, you emailed and said, hey, what do you think about this? I remember thinking... I have no idea how to do a series on on music and the movies, but I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. We have one more week coming up uh, with our number one composer. We'll leave that surprise for next week. Uh, if you haven't already figured it out, I'm sure you probably have. Uh, but uh, we'll be back next week. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. Find us on Facebook.com slash NextGenNerd. Support the show at Patreon.com slash NextGenNerd. We'll see you next week. Next Gen Nerd.